Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hello, happy Saturday. Welcome back into the Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week podcast. I'm host and audio producer of the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network, Stephen Serta. Kind of just waiting around right now for the Kansas City Chiefs to begin their regular season against the Arizona Cardinals. Still plenty to get you caught up on this week. We'll begin with the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. We had a fresh batch of marinated takeaways after that. Out of structure, got you caught up on the initial 53-man roster. Then we'll head to the Great British Chiefs show. They had a 2022 Chiefs prediction show this week. After that, we'll take a quick timeout. Then it's Chiefs coast to coast. They had a few more Chiefs roster predictions. Then we'll finish things up with show and BK discussing Frank Clark and his underrated importance on the Chiefs defense for the upcoming season. That's all coming up on today's Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show, we are getting ready for the 53-man roster deadline. Tuesday, 3 p.m., keep it locked in at arrowheadpride.com. We will have the initial roster, and then we will have an emergency podcast, and we get access to General Manager Brett Beach on Wednesday. So some great content coming with the, the roster deadline. But before we get to that, it's training camp and the preseason and they're over and so let's get some month-long marinated takeaways and john as we do always we'll start with with you and i appreciate that so that i can get in one that i'm sure you guys would mention as well so thanks for that once again um you know we went into this uh, preseason focused on the chiefs offense it's all anybody was talking about tyreek hill is gone what are the chiefs gonna do But to me, the biggest story of the preseason was the performance of the defense. Um, You know, the first string defense uh, looked, frankly, dominating. And in each one of these games, um, they never gave up more than uh, 20 points. Um, And that's a pretty good performance for an NFL defense. And so, uh, you know, yeah, some of it was against depth players, but it's depth players against depth players. So, you know, on that basis, the defense uh, put in a pretty good scorecard during the preseason. I was very encouraged to see that all these moves, uh, acquiring these young players uh, in the draft, seems to be paying off so well. I, I thought that was one of the big things that we, we saw in the preseason. I think more so than other years, just going from training camp every day, the fact that the defense clearly won some days is not something that was necessarily happening in right. previous years. And mm-hmm. you could look at that both ways and, and be like, well, maybe the offense isn't as good. I don't think it was that. I think the defense yeah. was just competitive. I really, I really do. And, and that's such a good thing. And again, knock on all the wood here, but it does seem like maybe the chiefs can avoid what is the, has become their typical defensive slow start for the first five weeks of the season. Like maybe, maybe finally week one, they're going to look good, even though they do have a lot of new faces there. 
Uh, Steve, let's go to your first marinated takeaway. I'm really excited about the defense. They look so fast. Um, they they yeah, just look yeah. explosive. They do. It's my first one. It has to do with the defense, too. And I just feel like we didn't talk about it enough. And I brought it up on the Rapid Reaction show with Show and BK. And they were totally dismissive about it and acted like it wasn't a big deal at all. <laughs> but George Karloftis getting the start in this game opposite of Frank Clark, I think, is a really big deal that I feel like just got overlooked by everybody because they're just like, well, he should get the start. Why? Why wouldn't he? Well, I mean, it's a pretty big deal for the Chiefs to commit to put to starting a rookie opposite of Frank Clark, I think, to start the season. And, you know, maybe they haven't committed to it just yet, but I think it made a statement that he started over Mike Dana, who they also really like. And mm -hmm. we know that the ceiling of George Karloftis is just much higher than the ceiling of Mike Dana. Like we all know that already. Yeah. And so for him to get the start in the final preseason game in a game that doesn't really matter, and I don't think there's that much to learn from it. I think that's something that we learned that we have totally under discussed so far. I, I had one of these points too, and I'll, I'll alter mine a little bit just so I'm a little bit different here. But I, I think George Karloftis being in the mix for defensive rookie of the year is reality because a lot of times these guys, if they get three sacks as a rookie defensive end, I mean, that's, that's pretty good, right? A lot of times, mm -hmm. oh, without, yeah. seeing, without seeing the rookie at all, you would take that. And I, I feel like we watched the preseason, and now we know it's 17 games. Can't we just assume Carl Loftus is going to have three? And if we can assume that, can't he just as easily have six? Mm -hmm. And if he can get to six, can he get to 10? And if he has 10 sacks, could he win defensive rookie of the year? Right? Like it, <laughs> it seemed when he was taken the number 30 overall that that seemed impossible. And yeah, yeah. it seems possible now. I'm not saying that is going to happen, but I think that is a huge deal especially given the fact that Melvin Ingram went to the Dolphins and Carlos Dunlap has now had this weird Achilles soreness, sensitive Achilles. <laughs> Doesn't sound like a good injury to have two weeks before the season, <laughs> but who am I? And so for Karloftis to have done what he did in the preseason makes you feel a lot better about the position. And I think, and, and just to be a little bit different from you, Steve, I think from a grander standpoint as a whole, last year the Chiefs were fourth worst in the league when it came to sacking the quarterback. I think that is a thing of the past. I think they'll be 15 or better this year. I already feel that way about the defensive line. And I just don't think we really knew that going into the preseason and training camp. Well, it's, I think this is just an example of how powerful expectations and perceptions can be. Not too many draft analysts thought much of Karloftis. They, you know, he's just a guy that could go in the first round just because there's all these other really good guys up in front of him. This guy's just got a lot of motor and, you know, want to blah, blah, blah. Well, the Chiefs didn't see him that way. I think maybe the Chiefs wanted him all along. That's the yeah. way Spagnuolo talked when he finally had an opportunity to speak about him. Now, you know, I think there's a lot of fans that would say that if Spagnuolo likes him, that's a bad thing. <laughs> but uh, but I don't see it that way. I, I, I like it when the team gets uh, the players that they'd really like to have. And I think they considered it uh, uh, fortunate that it played out that they could get not only McDuffie, a player that they didn't even think they'd have a chance to get and the guy they wanted at 30. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, I think the perception has kind of gotten in the way that, that maybe he was just, you know, some guy they were able to get uh, that it might be that they, what this is really the guy they wanted and it might turn out working out really well. 
Yeah, the Spags had that call the night of, and he was like, George, we we definitely wanted you right from the get-go here. So happy you fell to us and it worked out. Don't worry where you were picked. We have a row for you. And I think that was honest. As, as much as like you got to take these things with a grain of salt, like yeah, I think yeah. it was honest of, of this, what, maybe not the target, but certainly one of the targets that they mm-hmm. wanted to follow to them. And there was a little bit of that collective gripe of, of folks who follow the draft and watch it from a Kansas City perspective. But I I think so far so good. The preseason really couldn't have gone any better when it come, right. comes to George Karloftis, right. and that's the big thing. All right, John, we'll go back to you for another marinated takeaway. Um, you know, I've said many times on this show and elsewhere that the Chiefs love Andrew Wiley. They love the, the, the attitude that he brings, his versatility, so on and so forth. And I'm just really pleased that he's been able to hang on to this right tackle job. Now, you know, he might not have been able to. If uh, Lucas Niang was fully recovered, he would have been in the mix and maybe he would have won the job. But Wiley, I think, really showed last year that, you know, maybe he's not the greatest right tackle in the NFL, but he made big strides and was playing competently at the end of the season. And I think there's no reason to expect that he won't make another step forward this year because the chiefs love the guy and coaches don't tend to fall in love with guys that aren't capable of improving their games. That's just a fact. Okay. Uh, Yeah. It doesn't always happen. Sometimes coaches will fall in love with a guy and he doesn't really get any better, but if they love the guy, it's for a specific reason or a specific set of reasons that actually uh, will allow them to get better as players. And I think that's what's going on with Wiley. So I'm kind of excited about this. I don't expect him to be an all pro. Let's just mm-hmm. put that right out there. But I think we're going to see an improvement in his play and he'll be more than competent in the coming season. This thing was a real battle and they were not going to guarantee that Andrew Wiley was going to get this position. They had him earn it. Jaron Christian mixed in with the top team. We did see Roderick Johnson before he was released mixing in with the top team. We thought that Darren Kennard would be a better challenge to Wiley, but yeah. mm-hmm. Kennard could never play well enough to even get a crack mixing in. And so Andrew Wiley beat out what was a couple options, the the field, so to speak. I think Prince Tegawanogo could be another guy that, that could yeah. be in that mix as well. But you're right. Kudos to, to him for winning the job. And this was actually something I asked Andy Reid about still when we were in St. Joe. And Reid was like, look, he didn't listen to the noise because there was a lot of noise of like yeah. Wiley's jobs up for grabs. And we created some of it, but it was real. It was a real battle that he ended up winning and, and being able to, to stay in his job. So kudos to uh, Wiley. Uh, Steve, let's go to you. I know there's been a little bit of rumbling uh, about Sky Moore and his lack of explosive plays in the preseason, even though I think that Sky Moore looked fantastic in the limited action that we saw him in the preseason, despite not really connecting on some of these big plays. But there was two deep shots that we saw against Washington and then against the Green Bay Packers. One fantastic play by former chief Kendall Fuller to get in front of the football. But it was a perfect ball from Mahomes to Sky Moore that would have been an easy touchdown. And then the second one was against the Packers where he was able to draw a pass interference flag because he just had such a nice release off the line of scrimmage. We're going to see some of those deep shots connect on Sky Moore. And a lot's been made about the way they can utilize him out of the backfield and and the way they're going to try to kind of pepper him in and sprinkle him in and some of those Tyree Kill-esque plays. But 
I loved that we saw he can get deep down the football field, mm, and I can't yeah. wait for that to happen in the season because Patrick Mahomes is going to hit some of those, and we've already seen that he's capable of beating you right off the line of scrimmage. And so I think we're underestimating how, how big of a deep threat Sky Moore can be this year. Well, I, I think he'll, he'll be a deep threat, and I, I think you're going to get a handful of those opportunities per game where Moore is going to have an orchestrated touch, You know, be it out of the backfield or be it, be it a play downfield. You're right about the releases. Those have been impressive. I think it's important to keep mm-hmm. in mind, too, though, yeah. that they're running more at punt returner. So to me, that's always going to be a guy that is mixed in here and there. But if you're mixed in here and there, and I've said this before, but if you put out undeniable film, then all of a sudden you're making the Chiefs use you more on offense. Mm-hmm. And right. we saw that early on in the trajectory of Tyree Kill, right? Like at the beginning of that year, when they started using Hill, he was basically a returner using him here and there. By the end of the year, they were like, we have to have him on offense. He's too good. So that same type of thing could happen for more. And I, I think we did see that potential during the preseason. About the time that you all hear this show, every team will be down to their mandated 53 roster, 53 man roster, their their initial 53 man roster, which is far from final, uh, as we expect probably a lot of changes over the next couple of days. But as we come up on that on that date and we start thinking about all the different things that are going to happen on the Chiefs roster between now and then, to me it, it sort of hinges on on a handful of guys. Uh, Rocky, any any bold predictions or anything that uh, you expect to see happen when the roster uh, initial roster cuts happen over the next day? Yeah, um, I think that Andy Bucks is trend, and I think he goes with three quarterbacks. Um, we haven't seen him roster three quarterbacks recently. Um, you know, since he's been here, he usually just rolls with Mahomes and Henny. Um, I think that they've seen enough out of Shane that they're afraid to lose him. They don't think he'll make it through to the practice squad. And so I think that they actually roll with three quarterbacks this year. Cause I think that they've seen enough out of him that they, that they want to keep him as the backup quarterback for the future. I mean, what do you think about that? You know, a lot of people are predicting that. I think uh, that, that the chiefs like him enough or that he won't stick around if they, if they released him, I could see it happening. I, you know, I don't think I would do that, but uh Obviously, I'm not calling the shots there. If you keep an extra quarterback, though, what position would you would you carry one less of? Well, I think that uh, unfortunately, Blake Bell kind of freed up that extra position spot already. I mean, the the Chiefs like to carry four tight ends, but you don't need four tight ends. You're three tight ends very deep right now, and they're all quality tight ends. Um, if there's nothing better out there, you don't want to pick up another tight end just for the sake of picking up a tight end. You know, if it's going to be between holding on to, you know, Bichelle or or picking up some random, you know, um, tight end off the street, it may make sense just to carry the third the third quarterback and, and, and only roll with three tight ends for the time being. If down the line you have an injury and you do need another tight end, well, at that point, that tight end that got injured is going to be moved over to – you know, injured reserve anyway, or the PUP, and then you just bring in a guy at that point. Yeah, I do think Blake Bell's status is, is going to be one of those things that changes over the next couple of days. The expectation is he's having surgery. He's going to be out for a number of weeks. Andy Reid was very clear about that when he usually is not clear about injuries at this time of year when he doesn't have to be. I expect that Blake Bell will go on the injured reserve. Uh, with the ability to return, which means they have to carry him on the 53-man roster at least for a day before that happens. 
So that's what I was talking about with this roster being in flux for a few days. So assume they carry Blake Bell on the roster day one. Uh, somebody else is getting released. And then when, when Bell goes to IR, then you have another position open up, whether it's a in addition off the street, uh, the waiver wire, a trade, it's, you know, something, uh, something, or maybe they're just bringing back one of these veterans that doesn't get picked up by, by somebody else. So I, I do think Blake Bell is sort of a, you know, a linchpin of, of this, uh, of this roster, but I don't know that that helps Shane Bouchelle's case because that just really would be another person that they have to carry on the initial roster. So you're probably looking for a couple of guys. If you're keeping Bouchelle, you're looking for a couple of guys to get rid of. I don't know if you can cut a second tight end in addition to putting Bell on IR the next day. So I guess all of this to say, I think you'd probably be looking at somebody like Austin Ryder who could potentially be released and then still be available on the street. You can sign him back whenever you want to. Uh, there might be a couple of guys like that at the bottom of this roster that the Chiefs feel pretty comfortable being that 54th man. Yeah, no, 100%. You get a lot of these um, kind of wink, wink, nod, nod, you know, handshake kind of deals with these bottom of the roster guys where they say, listen, we're going to cut you today, but don't don't talk to anybody else because we're going to bring you back in two days, you know, um, and you'll be back on the 53-man roster. It's just a technicality in order to pass this guy through to, to IR. I think, you know, we saw that who was the who was the running back that we the former Bills running back we had a few <laughs> years back where he was on and off on and off for like six times during the season? Infamous CJ Spiller, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. CJ Spiller. Yeah, it's a regular CJ Spiller situation right there. Um, and so you know, yeah, one hundred percent. You know who could? I mean, if you just want to go one to one, Jarek McKinnon could be <laughs> could be a CJ mm-hmm. Spiller, right? Uh, you know, somebody that probably didn't have a ton of demand on the street uh, that uh, you know. Uh, maybe they go a little heavy at running back and, and put him on and off as needed. So that's my next point is Ronald Jones. We've all presumed for a long time that he is not on this roster. And I, and I think it's, it's probably still better than 50% that he's not, but I think there's, I think there's a chance. I think there's a door open here for, for Jones. Uh, not that they put a lot of weight into what happens in the third preseason game, uh, but he had a pretty decent showing there. And he does bring a, a different element to this roster uh, from the running back room. And you have Derek Gore, uh, who, who is uh, put on IR and then released. And uh, the only other true running back on the roster was released in the first round of, uh, of cuts. So the to me, the doors left open a crack for Ronald Jones to at least have a shot to stay on the roster. Uh, do you see that happening? I don't see it happening, but I do see that, you know, Derek Gore did crack the door open a little bit to the possibility for Ronald Jones. Um, because I, because I think the plan was probably to have Derek Gore on the practice squad. And then that way they didn't have to carry another running back, but they could call up a guy that they could actually believe in, you know, whenever they need him. To me, that really expands your, your options on this roster. And if, if you don't have that, guy on the practice squad with some NFL game experience that you know you can call up and, and insert into the lineup and, and you'll be all right, uh, then I think you got to carry another guy. So I think there's a decent chance they actually do carry four running backs uh, again, you know, and and, and maybe Jones uh, does make it. Maybe they grab a guy off the street and, and to replace Jones. But uh, I, I do think that they're going to need that depth uh, and it doesn't look like it's going to be on the practice squad. 
Yeah, I mean the the only the only thing reason why I say that Jones may still be out the door is a couple of reasons. One, he was never a good fit for this offense. Um, he doesn't pass protect. Um, if you can't protect Patrick Mahomes, you're not going to get on the field. And he's had a history of ball control, of, of fumbling and ball control issues in the past. Uh, we have guys like Clyde who already, and Jared McKinnon for that instance, for, I mean, for that matter, that already do what he does very well. Um, if we're going to bring in another running back, we need a guy like Gore, I think, who's a little bit different. Um, a little bit more of just like a straightforward north south type of runner, something that you kind of had in Darrell Williams last year, um, as well. And I think that the other thing that goes plays into it is that Derek Gore, it's not like Derek Gore is coming back from an ACL injury, it's a broken thumb. It's not, it's not going to be a 12 week recovery time, most likely, you know. And I think when he is healthy, he's we're going to find him back on the practice squad again, and then he will resume that role being that call up guy when they need him. And so we're really kind of probably talking about what the first six weeks of the season um, maybe. And so it's do the chiefs feel like rolling the dice and going with three running backs for six weeks. I was going to say, given that Berg, uh, pinky cash, just come cast like that. I'm just bringing back, you know, the thing that I, I found a little bit surprising, like he had two of the big days from scrimmage that this team had last year. Uh, he had a 50 yard reception and a 50 yard run, you know, give it like a couple of massive plays for this team. Uh, and, and you don't think of him as that breakaway speed. You know, he's not Jarek McKinnon in, in, in that regard, uh, but you know, he, he finds a way. And, and so, yeah, I think he's somebody they would have definitely liked to keep around in some capacity. So we'll, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, I, you know, if Jones was such a bad fit, though, why would they have signed him in the first place is the question I have. Because everybody knows the knocks on Jones. Everybody knows Ronald Jones, you know, his background and, and what he's done in the league so far. Uh, I definitely think they, they wanted to shift a little bit more to this power running offense or at least to have that option on the table uh, where they could feature a guy like him. Um, but it, it just it – just, that shouldn't have been a surprise to anybody in the room. No, it shouldn't have been a surprise. But also when they brought Jones in, they didn't know what was going to happen with Jarek McKinnon. He wasn't in the back in the fold yet. And they hadn't drafted Isaiah Pacheco yet, you know. Um, and, you know, by all accounts, you know, Pacheco was a guy that they kind of targeted in the draft as a running back that they were very interested in. They 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 knew kind of the range in which they wanted to take him. But you never know if a guy's going to fall to you or not. So, I mean, you take a flyer on on Ronald Jones – you know, that way you have a plan B. We know Veach does not like going into the draft with holes, period, right? And so you may, you bring in Ronald Jones as your stopgap, and then you try to upgrade it. And then he did upgrade it, you know, in 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 my opinion. So then now you're able to get rid of that stopgap because you brought somebody else in. Yeah, that's fair. I, I, I think we're probably giving him a little bit too much credit to say that they were targeting Pacheco this entire time. That you know, that feels a little revisionist to me, but – uh uh, but I think they probably were targeting a running back late in the draft that can do some of the things that he can do, and he was certainly on that list. Only reason why I say they were targeting him is if you go back and you watch the for telephone calls for when, when the players are drafted and the team's calling them, um, the Chiefs coaching staff say at one point, they say, what did I tell you during our visit that we were going to get you? I told you we were going to get you. And so, and so maybe that was all just smoke, 
right? You know, but you know, in that video, the Chiefs say that they that they had an intention of going out and getting him, you know, to be a part of this football team. Right. It's prediction season, mate. Finally. Um, finally we're finally. <laughs> we've been back on we've been back on weekly podcasts for two months now. Yeah. And we have been saying we are gearing up for prediction season and we didn't want to come too early. That's what she said. <laughs> We didn't want to come too early when it comes to predictions. We waited until the end of August. It's now August the 31st. The roster cutdowns happen. with Chiefs are down to the 53. We're covering that arrowheadpride.com. But now we are in the business end of the season. Next week, we're going to bring you a preview of an actual week one NFL game. Next week, this time next week, you will be listening to a preview of an NFL game. So that means that this show is all about predictions and boy do we have some predictions because what we do know is that any prediction that we make now you will forget unless we get it right because we will not (laughs) because if we get it right we will remind you guys in december in january in february because that will be the high horse that we sit on for the entire off season next year if we get a prediction wrong it doesn't matter you'll forget it and we choose to forget it so it's all good but sit back relax and enjoy and potentially laugh at the stupid amount of nonsense that comes out of our, our mouths in the next 45 minutes or so. What, like the last show? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. If anyone come back after that, well, well, well done. <laughs> yeah, if any of you came back for the uh, Back to the Chiefs uh, episode that we did, I mean, we had a lot of fun making it. But um, yeah, I mean, we, we were after a bit of reaction to it and... <laughs> and I didn't get as much of a reaction as we normally get from it, but I, 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 think, I think it's think, called I think it's called tumbleweed, isn't it? I think that's, <laughs> that's right. what it is. <laughs> I think a lot of people were just like, "What are they doing? <laughs> what's what's the concept of this?" Did you, did you see the tweets that come from Aaron Borgman, like the the former contributor for AP? He used to he used to deal with when I first started AP. He was part of the team and used to do a lot to do with like medical because he used to be a. A, a physio um, slash trainer for for the Chiefs and Eagles under Andy Reid. Yeah, and he was actually in the locker room that night. He was on the sideline, oh. and as soon as like AP tweeted out that the link to that podcast, he was straight away like like was like, why? <laughs> why have you done this? <laughs> why have you done this? Uh, my like my, my response was, you know, funny. <laughs> yeah, it was a bit like my reaction when you said, "Oh, let's do this one, this game." I was like, Re- "Really, Tom? Really? <laughs> We're not going to nuke ourselves." <laughs> yeah, we've, we've just we've just managed to cancel ourselves in a space of a week. It's, it's great, you know. Yeah, we're just poking fun at the 2013 loss, the devastating loss to yeah. the Colts. But I mean, if you haven't haven't listened to it yet, yeah, I mean, feel free to have a listen back to it because uh, we did have a lot of fun with it. Um, and yeah, like I said, just feel free and take it take it on face value of what it is. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, predictions, predictions, predictions. So um, yeah, we're going to go through um, quite a few categories actually. It's not going to be the normal kind of, you know, just the win-loss record and that's it and leave it for the next week. No, no, no. We're going the whole hog this week. We've gone for offensive rookie of the year for the Chiefs, contender. Mm-hmm. We've gone for the defensive rookie of the year, contender for the Chiefs. And we've gone for defensive player and uh, offensive player. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll do those four first. We've got a few more other categories as well, but we'll do those four first. Um Chiefs contender for offensive rookie of the year. The contenders or who do I think is going to win? Uh, is... No, I think I think 
Well, no, let's go with the contender because it would just name a Chiefs player that you think, yeah, I think they're going to be pushing for that offensive offensive rookie of the year title, I think. What, over the NFL? Just to be clear, because you've confused me now with your wording. Is is that across the NFL or is that just yeah, yeah, the Chiefs it's, offense? It, it, it's across the NFL, but we've got to pick a Chiefs player. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so they're, they're, they're the ones that are like, you know, leading the charge from the... The uh, creme de la creme. Yes. Um, is it possible to say a seventh rounder running back is is in the Ooh, running to boy. be to, really to be? Well, that's that's the well. If it was a Chiefs offensive rookie of the year, the award for that, then the two candidates are Sky Moore and Isaiah Isaiah Pacheco. They are literally the only candidates. Wow. Um, so if we're taking that up into the NFL, you've either got to go Pacheco or or Sky Moore, and. I'm going to have to go Sky Moore. You can't say Isaiah Pacheco because he's a seventh round running back. Well, yeah. Like I know a lot of people are getting very hyped about him making this team and he is going to be a big part of this offense. I don't doubt that. But it's going to be a matter of weeks before he actually gets fully involved in in this offense and Mm. you start to see him become not a feature back, but like a heavy contributor. And by that point, it's probably too late for him to get involved in the offensive rookie of the year conversation. Whereas Sky Moore... He's already going to be in a position to contribute immediately. He's already going to return punts. And okay, yeah, granted, returning punts has nothing to do with the offensive side of things because it's special teams. But you better believe people will keep that in the back of their mind if it's paired with a good season in terms of receiving. What does a rookie receiver need to to be in contention for that? You're talking about at least a thousand yards. Can Spymore get there? I don't know. I, I think it's bold. I think it would be bold to sit here and say the Chiefs have a candidate for offensive rookie of the year, only because we've talked about it and we probably will go into it again, the amount of options at receiver and at running back. I think there's just too many mouths to feed for one specific um, Chiefs receiver slash running back to be in the conversation for the overall offensive rookie of the year award. Wow, we're going straight in with a bold prediction. Is that what we're saying? <laughs> no, no, no. I'm not predicting it. I'm not predicting it. I'm predicting that he is not in the conversation. Oh, right. It's not okay. okay. So who are we saying then? Pacheco, yeah? He's got a better chance. <laughs> <laughs> you just want to be there. If, now, if we're going to talk to the Chiefs, the Chiefs Offensive Rookie of the Year, just for the team, absolutely Isaiah Pacheco can yeah. win it. But because, not, not for the actual... But whole, not entirely not NFL, No, NFL. I just don't I don't see it. I think on the other side of the ball, when we get to that shortly, I think there are a couple of options there that could quite easily win Defensive Player of the Year overall yeah. in the NFL. But offensively, no. The Chiefs drafted too late for guys to be uh, noticeable immediately and they drafted players in positions where they were already quite heavy and had a number of bodies, and I don't think there's that guy that's going to sit there. There's not a Justin Jefferson or a Jonathan Taylor. There's, there's not that type of player in the Chiefs, and the Chiefs aren't that desperate for that type of player that they're going to come in and make such a difference. So, no, nah, I don't. I predict that there is no one on the Chiefs team that is going to be in the Offensive Rookie of the Year running come season end. You're right in what you're saying, though. There is a lot of mouths to feed because we saw it in preseason, didn't we? Mahomes mm-hmm. was just spraying the ball around everywhere. Yeah. So... Yeah, it's going to be quite difficult for the these rookies to really kind of break out this year, especially with, like you said, we've 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 got a lot of receiving threats there, um, mm-hmm. and and Pacheco's probably got more of a chance, like you said, than Skymore. But yeah, um, I don't think they're going to be they're they're going, they're going to be pushing it the, the the actual NFL offensive yeah. rookie of the year. I don't think they'll be doing that. What about um, defensive rookie of the year then for the Chiefs? It's the two first rounders, isn't it? Yeah. It's got to be. Got to be, on it? I'll let you, Brad, I'll tell you what, you, get, you have this bit. I was going to go George Karlaftis. 
Furious George. Furious George. Yeah, he loves that nickname, doesn't he? Mm. I like that nickname. That's a really good nickname, that. Don't get me wrong. That, brilliant. I'm a bit guy to Slovakia with a sack he hasn't taken off, but you know. <laughs> well, um, Furious George just rolls off the tongue. It does. If you've got a lisp with yours, you, you, you're stuffed, haven't you? <laughs> Anyone in our prisons at all? Oh, yes, sir. We got a Samson, sir. Samson? Samson, the Sadducee Strangler, sir. Uh, Silas, the Syrian Assassin. Uh, several seditious scribes from Caesarea. Uh, 67 Let me speak to them, Pontius. Oh, uh, good idea, biggest citizen. We have a Samson, the Sadducee Strangler. Silas, the Assyrian Assassin. Several seditious scribes. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought about I never thought about that way. Maybe next time I come up with a nickname, I need to account for people with lisps. That's, that's what I need that's, to do. That's the key to picking a good nickname, mate. That's yeah. what it is. Yeah, I do. I I think Carl Aftus can like be huge. This I year. think he can as well. I wasn't convinced. I'm I'm not one of these that was on the bandwagon at the, at the start when we drafted him because I was yeah. like, really? I'm not really I'm really feeling this. But after seeing what he's been doing in preseason and yeah. get again, yes, it is preseason, but George Carl Aftis just I don't know. I just something about him. I think he's got that energy. He's got that excitement about him. I just yeah, I just think there's a motor. Yeah. There is yeah. He just I think he's gonna get sacks just from Will alone. Like yeah. Will and effort and like you shouldn't really I, I a pet hate of mine is judging players on effort because like you see it with like premier league footballers like you get these players are oh, like you know like not to be up on it like james milner who plays with liverpool yeah. people say oh i love james milner he's always running always working hard but i could do that <laughs> couldn't i like let's be honest I, around all the time not getting exactly the yeah i i yeah, I, I, I could get i could get to a level of fitness over a few months maybe a couple of years i could get to a level of fitness where i could run around the football pitch like that for 90 minutes and just <laughs> run around like a headless chicken doesn't mean i'm a good footballer it just means i can run really well and i've got loads of effort yeah and that's where like i kind of sit with like the whole R. he's got loads of effort he's got a high motor and whatnot but you need talent there as well. You need you need to pair the motor with talent. And I think Carl Aftis has got it. Like, obviously, he's got the power. Mm. He's got a bit of technique. But you pair it with the motor. And then when it gets down to, like, the nitty-gritty, the fourth quarter, when the Chiefs are leading games and teams are going to have to come out passing to try and keep up with the Chiefs, I think it's going to be similar to, like, that 2018 season where the Chiefs' defence overall was pretty bad. Yeah. But in terms of – no, 2019 season, sorry, where the Chiefs' defence overall wasn't exactly the greatest. But in the fourth quarter, that's where they'd done their damage. Just where Frank Clark, Chris Jones, they'd done their damage because teams were coming out and they were trying to pass the ball on the Chiefs to, mm. to keep up with them. But yeah. they had these guys who were just collecting sacks, and I think Carl Atters is going to do that. And when you're in a when you're in a rookie season with the likes of Aiden Hutchinson, who's everyone's going on about, and you've got the couple of other rookies in the pass rush that think they're expected to make big impacts early, I think Carl Atters is going to be in a better position to make an impact more so than any other uh, rookie pass rusher, purely because of the situation the Chiefs' offense is going to put him in, mm-hmm. where he's going to be able to pin his ears back and just go. 
quarterbacks are going to have to hold on to the ball a little bit longer because they're going to try to make these passes. So it wouldn't surprise me if Carl Afters makes double-digit sacks, get hits maybe closer to 15 than, say, 10. Yeah. And if he's, if he's in that 13, 14, 15 range for sacks, he's absolutely in the conversation for Defensive Player of the Year. Any more than that. And then he'd be in the, in the Defensive Player of the, uh, of the Year conversation. So I, I do feel like this, this particular season, in terms of rookie expectation and rookie seasons, we're going to look at Carl Afters and there is potential there for him to have have like not an all-time defensive season mm. for a rookie but a very very good one that t- people would look at when they start to talk about like end of first round pass rushes because there's this there's this thought process that goes around that oh if you get a pass rush at the end of the first round it's not going to be very good mm. well Carl Afters can change that way of thinking going forward if he's very good this year I've got Carl Afters going for about 13 sacks this season uh, that, that, that's what I think I think I think you can do it Especially on that defensive uh, front now. I, th- I, I think you can do it. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. And I, I, I got a little heat for one tweet that I sent out uh, after the, the, the first preseason game. Maybe it was the second one. Because it was a position battle, man. And, and for the longest, we were wondering where the cuts were coming from. If the Chiefs were going to keep, keep six wide receivers, and like you said, we went back and forth on that for a while. I think I was the one that was saying five for a while, uh, and, and you were stumping for six. Then you had to – then maybe the cut were com- was coming from the running back position. But you got your numbers back in a favorable position – unfortunately for Big Bell and, and Matt Bushman, but fortunately for Ronald Jones. And that's just, that's just, that's just what we're talking about when it's limited opportunities and there's, and there's cuts that got to come from somewhere. And, uh, and, and that's just the nature of the league. Uh, Rojo's in, I think by, by way of those things happening. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, things definitely fell into place for him and he got an opportunity and he cashed in on it. I mean, that last game he was running hard, uh, there seems to be a different sense of urgency. I mean, obviously, at that point in the last game, you're you're fighting for your job at that point. So it's definitely understandable why they would keep a guy like him around at this point. And let's be honest. I mean, CEH has had a history of not staying healthy. So, I mean, why you you keep extra bodies just for insurance, right? Especially when you get to that fourth guy, whoever that may be. And, and I don't think we know for sure yet, probably Pacheco just based on lack of experience, but we know that can change throughout the season. It's going to be a, it's going to be one of those things that is going to be moving throughout the year. I mean, I think one week you're going to see CH get a lot of touches, then McKinnon, Rojo. I think it's going to be one of those things, Pacheco, 
This is going to be like the flow of the game. And we already know this is a very, very pass-heavy team. I think they maybe slowly go back to the medium, the mean a little bit this year. But overall, they're going to pass more than they run. And you're going to need guys that can catch the ball at the backfield. And that's where a guy like Pacheco thrives in. Uh, McKinnon, CH is supposed to thrive in that role, but we haven't quite seen it yet. And that's where Rojo, that's his weakness. We know he's not a guy that's going to catch the ball at the backfield. And he's not that great in pass protection as well. But he is a different style of runner than all the other guys. So they all bring a different flavor to the to, to this team. And I'm okay with that because we know in today's NFL it's more about running back by committee. You don't have that bell cow style anymore. It's a couple of guys like Derrick Henry, Jonathan Taylor, but it's very, very rare. So I'm happy with the room overall. Let's talk practice squad or initial practice squad uh, as we move on from cuts. Still kind of reacting to the 53-man roster. Chiefs cut down Tuesday at 3 p.m. was the deadline. Still kind of some some rumblings in, in relation to that. And I would say out of the names, you mentioned Fountain um, and Shelton earlier. Uh, I, I thought Cornell Powell flashed a little bit more in, in the days that I was at uh, training camp in St. Joe this year. Obviously, it was a, a, a large task for a rookie to ask, and you can say that and also see what Sky Moore has done in this offense. But I feel like he's shown us the strides. He's growing. He's back. Austin Ryder's there. Elijah Lee, seemingly the move that's going to correspond with Blake Bell going on IR whenever that happens. I know Brett Veach touched on that a little bit today in his availability with the media. So they'll look at making that move in the next coming days. Elijah Lee comes up for for linebacker depth, and there's some other names on there. Any, any guys that catch your attention, or I took them all. Yeah, you definitely <laughs> took them all. <laughs> you just named like ten guys, bro. Like my gosh, you didn't leave nothing for me. But uh, <laughs> what, what you well, well, hey, let, let's let, let's spin it this way then, because I, okay. I got this done as well, and, and let's move along. Because I already see some hands up. Got a lot of people in the room. Appreciate y'all rocking with us. Getting closer to week one, man, 12 days away in Phoenix. It's going to be a lot of young Chiefs on this roster. And I'm curious just very generally, right? This is a team that has turned over I th- that's turned over a lot since they appeared in, in the Super Bowl last. The, the youth, uh, not only on the practice squad, and, and the, but on the 53-man roster as well. What, what does that tell you about where Kansas City sits right now? It tells me, I saw, yeah, they have the 10th youngest roster. And they're in a, a very unique position because – most teams, when you have a guy like a Patrick Mahomes caliber, one of those guys at quarterback, normally, you know, they're more, let's say, veterans around them, per se. And you don't really see a young roster, especially with allowing a lot of cap space at well at the same time. I mean, by trading Tyreek Hill, they're able to get, obviously, a lot of picks and you free up a lot of money. And they're in a unique spot where they're in win-now mode, but they're also built for the future at the same time. Normally, it's one or the other. You're either building for the future and you're not going to win right now or you're in straight win now mode. Like, look at the Rams. You know, they're in straight win now mode. Uh, The Broncos, they're in straight win now mode. The Raiders and even the Chargers to a certain extent, even though they do have a younger quarterback. So they're going to be fine for the next decade when they get that locked up. But I say all that to say this. It just shows that Brett Veach is learning. He's getting better. As the years go on, obviously that first draft when he took Breland Speaks, uh, a lot of people were upset him at that time, but he's redeemed himself since then. I mean, I thought the 2021 draft, I mean, it was. It's not that I thought. It was a great draft. I mean, you rebuilt the line. You got Creed Humphrey. You got Trey Smith in the later rounds. And 
I mean, that's a home run right there with those two guys alone, right? Nick Bolton. I would be remiss if I didn't mention his name. And then, I mean, obviously, we haven't played a game yet, so I don't want to get too ahead of myself. But it seems as of now, what we've been watching in preseason and training camp and what everybody is saying, that this draft class may be just as good. I mean, the depth. I mean, you're going to have two guys already starting off of day one with Trent McDuffie and Loftus. You're going to have Brian uh, Cook in there as your third safety. I mean, they're loaded, man. Joshua Williams is in there. You obviously, Sky Moore is going to get a lot of reps from day one. So, I mean, it's, I just can't say enough about what Bre- Brett Veach has been doing, not only in the draft, but as far as the uh, the salary cap, managing the money, getting certain guys in free agency. I mean, Carlos Dunlap, getting him late in the summer. That's a steal, man. That guy had eight and a half sacks last year. He's a veteran in the room. He improves your pass rush on the outside. Moves like that, Melvin Ingram last year. So he just is always timely. He knows what their weaknesses are, and he attacks it, man. And if you're a Chiefs fan, this is a very exciting time, and you should be excited for not only now, but the next decade. I'm going to be yellow button lad here. Can I be yellow button lad here? You're always yellow button lad. I saw somebody call me that recently, and I kind of like that. Uh, oh, I like, you're, I like, you're rolling with that? I like yellow button lad. That, it, 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 that's that's my role on this pod sometimes. It fits you, man, because when you drive and it, it goes yellow, you slow down instead of speeding up and going past the light. Well, how about this? On this topic specifically, we talk about youth on Kansas City's roster and them playing a big impact, especially this year. I'm not like a uh, – I'm not like a – a dark yellow. It's a light yellow. You know, I'm going through this light. Uh, I actually do believe in, in in the ability. And how could you not? Like you said, the 2021 draft is it's an A it, it, so far. As far as the guys making the roster, I know Nazi Johnson was the one who made the practice squad, but uh, the rookies are going to make an impact for this team. The reason why I will be yellow button lad on this one is because I think not only is the challenge for the rookies who obviously have to go out there and uh, grasp the scheme and fit in with the the championship culture in Kansas City and obviously all the expectations from the fan base. I mean, uh, we talk ad nauseum on this pod about how tough it's going to be for a guy like Trent McDuffie to go in as a an expected starter week one and, and face some of the number one and number two options for for opposing teams, especially in this division. But I think the challenge is also going to be for the coaching staff. We we talked before about Steve Spagnolo and his trust in veteran players and especially uh you know with the linebackers there's going to be there's going to be a trust there that needs to be earned with Nick Bolton and Willie Gay there's going to be a, a trust that needs to be earned with Loftus and McDuffie like the coaches are going to have to mold their style to the players just as the players are going to have to kind of beat that learning curve that NFL learning curve but uh as far as getting them up to speed and uh, and all that as far as young players, it, it speaks to what the organization that's been built in Kansas City. And I think if Chiefs fans are excited, they should be excited in knowing that the coach, GM, and quarterback, Brett Veach, Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, like they've got an A there as well. There's not a lot of organizations that can say all three of those are on board at the same time. And I think a lot of the youth playing a factor and, and playing key minutes and key snaps is because the organization has put them in, in the position to win right away. And can we just talk about this real quick? Isn't it amazing how out of this rookie class, you know, we talk about Karloftis, right? We say he may start off a little bit slow. We talk about Sky Moore. What's his role going to be? Joshua Williams, uh, Cook. But we never talk about Trent McDuffie. It's like we just know, oh, he's going to be good. 
he's gonna be good. Like, is that kind of crazy? We haven't played any games yet, Mark. Come on. I know, bro. but we still question the other rookies and have talking points about him. I feel like we just act like, and I, I'm not saying I disagree, but it seems like the consensus is, oh, McDuffie's gonna be fine. You don't got to worry about him. Like, is, well, we thought that. Wrong? We thought that on draft day. We thought that on draft day, it was kind of the consensus was, I can't believe, I remember there were there was tweets saying, I can't believe he was still there and the Chiefs got him where they did. I don't know, man. I'm a little hesitant to oof, call me yellow button lad once again. Here he is. Get my yellow cape out. Uh, but, you know, we'll, we'll see. Let, let him play 10 games in the National Football League first. And, and, and that's what I think the challenge is going to be, not only for McDuffie, but also for, you know, Dave Merritt, the position coach. You know, he's got to, he's got to, He's got to mend those Rashad Fentons with the with the Trent McDuffies, uh, especially when there's no veteran leadership in that room, really. And you know what? We're not going to wait 10 games. We're going to do it during the bye week. Bro, Chiefs fans will not wait two quarters. If he gets toasted in, in, in the first series, there will be people calling for him to ride the bench the rest of the year. You know how this works. No, no, you know no, how this works. no. No reasonable fan would say that. Chiefs fans aren't reasonable, boy. You know this. Well, if they listen to me, and I've been saying this over and over again, that cornerback is the hardest position to play in football. So they're avid listeners of this show, and they take what we say, and, you know, they they can take some notes. So if they believe in me and my analysis, they're going to be like, well, you know what? Mark Gunnels did say that's the hardest position to play in football. So considering this guy's only a rookie, and it's only his first few games— Let's just ease off of him a little bit. You don't believe that's going to happen? <laughs> Come on now, you know you you know Chiefs Kingdom. You're the leader of this on on Twitter. You <laughs> y'all was in. This, I got in one space recently with you. I like just wanted to pop in real quick. I'm like, what is what's going on? Mark is in like eight spaces a day. Like, what's happening in these rooms? And this folks just outright yelling. I had to I had to pull my earphones out of my ear. I was like, uh, what are we doing? <laughs> y'all do this for fun? Hey, man, it gets a little rowdy in there sometimes. Uh, that's, all, that's all I'm going to say. I think two guys, you know Dunlop and Frank are two guys that I think they're really going to have to depend on potentially to be guys that play major roles at that position. They both have an injury issue with the Achilles with, with the Carlos Dunlop. And then what the hell is – see, what the hell is going on with Frank? See, here we go again. Frank, I mean, Frank can't even get to the start line. Man, you got to be kidding me, Frank. He's got you didn't drop You didn't drop all this damn weight. He's dropped all this weight, and now he and now he's still hurt. I mean, obviously the tums is not working. I just like what even, is like going? I, I'm not I'm not even kidding. Like he gave up liquor in the offseason. Yes. We talked about this last what time. Did, it was like, liquor and something for else. this reason. It was liquor and something else. Was it liquor and Twizzlers? What what was it? liquor and red meat or something i think it was red it was, he's he's changed his diet quite a bit yeah yes liquor and red meat i'm pretty sure of it and licorice and and I, i'm like and we're still we're still sitting here and he's out and andy's coming up oh he's sick his stomach again like and the part about it can i tell you the part that really frustrates me is just one huh yeah it is the thought though bk inserta is i didn't think coming into this year that he was going to be a player that the Chiefs depended on and needed to to depend on so much that missing time, having injuries like he has, would be so important and would, would take such a hit to this team because they haven't addressed that position 
well enough. I mean, there is an argument that he is still the second best pass rusher on this team. Right now, especially proven, George Kaloftis, we like what he has done in the in the preseason, but it's not proven. Like, I didn't think that he was going to be that important and that vital to them. And now he he's he's hurting at the start line. And and you and you know, come on right now. What what do you think? Would you would you press the button right now? Or would you would you put money on it that Frank plays 15 games this year? No, I, I would take the under just because like at this point we've we've learned our lesson, right? Taking the over is kind of a fool's errand. I I think that's a I think part of why they kept the six defensive ends is because they learned their lesson from a year ago. Another part of why they kept six defensive ends is because they know there are legitimate questions on the availability of both Carlos Dunlap and Frank Clark. And I think that's a really big deal, man. Those are two guys that you can trust. To your point, Ron, like, I like George Karloftis. I think he's going to be a fun player this year. I think he's got a chance to be very good for them and a very important piece to what they're doing. I think Mark Mike Dana is a perfectly fine rotational piece. He's not a starting level NFL defensive end. He's just not. And that's okay. That's not a shot against Mike Dana. There are a lot of guys like at this point in his career, Leo Chanel, not an NFL starting like 60 plus percent of snaps player. That's okay. He's got a role and he's going to fill it well. He's going to be very good against the run. That's Mike Dana. Mike Dana doesn't have a ton of juice off the edge, but he's going to be a perfectly fine player to come in and play like 30% of the snaps, 25% of the snaps. He'll be good in that role. But that means that you need Frank Clark. You need Carlos Dunlap. And for Frank to already be dealing with these issues with his stomach once again, it's just frustrating. And there's seemingly nothing they can do because he's tried things clearly this offseason to try to make it better. He looks better. I, I, I think that's part of why they're expecting more out of him, man. Like they, they need him because he did take that jump in the preseason that we were expecting to see. No, I, you're right. First off, it, it is not for without him trying, Frank. I mean, he has clearly tried to do things. Hopefully, maybe maybe medication may help, but he's tried to do things to uh, to to stave this off. And right now, I mean, we're there already. Like, and, it, and even if he's not able to play, sometimes you're wondering, like, is he even going to be at his best? I just, I, I did not, I never thought coming into the year that that the Chiefs were going to have to be dependent on Frank. Like, it, it, like I thought Frank would be a good, if he's coming back, he'd be a good compliment, a complimentary piece. He is not a complimentary piece that you just described. Like, he is somebody that they got to have. <laughs> and We're, let's let's do this real quick, Ron. Where would you rank him among the most important players on the defense right now? Like if we were just ranking our most important defensive players as of today for the Kansas City Chiefs defensively, I would say Chris Jones is probably number one for me. Yes. Nick Bolton, number two. And then Justin Reed three, Frank Clark four. You think that's fair? I I like I think Frank Clark's above the linebackers. I, I I just think his. Do so you think he's two? You think it goes Chris Jones one, Frank Clark two in terms of most important defensive players this year for the I, Chiefs? I think he's top five. Yes, I I just think getting pressure on the quarterback and the ability because because if Frank is playing the way Frank does, it hurts number one because then number one, I mean, you just then you just do everything you can to take out chris jones if you feel like 
Uh, we can we can handle Frank with any of our tackles. Like you just take you take out and and the back end is important. But what helps that back end is the pass rush, especially in this defense up front. Um, yeah, I mean, I was thinking one of the corners maybe, but I. I think you can kind he's, of throw all of them, not named Legereus Need, though, into a blender. And I, I like Trent McDuffie, yeah. don't get me wrong, but he's still a rookie, and you just don't know what that's going to look like. But that's why I didn't have any of those guys on that list yet. I but think I, Willie Gay might would, be up there. Yeah, I, I just if it just to, in terms of – like, I think those guys – I think Willie Gay and Nick Bolton have a chance, and even Justin Reed, to have more of a production impact to the team, make more – make bigger oh. plays. But I just think in terms of importance, you like the Chiefs are going to have a problem if they have one pass rusher. Yeah. The the issue is that right now Frank Clark is a top five member of this defense. And if he is not healthy or he goes down in any way, then all of a sudden rookie George Karloftis is a top five important player yeah. on your defense. And that's not a good situation to find a rookie. And I know George has been fantastic in the preseason, but he's still got a lot to prove uh, against all pro left tackles or right tackles in the NFL. Like he, he's still got a lot to prove as a pass rusher and he needs time to develop, especially when you have the hardest schedule in the NFL through the first seven weeks. So yeah, if Frank Clark's not healthy, then all of a sudden, George Karloftis being thrust in this position, it makes me question the entire defense. So what you're saying about Frank is totally valid. <laughs> I, that, that's what it, that's what it's when I saw him go down and he started missing those days of practice. I said, damn it. They're here again and they're here in and they've gotten themselves in the Frank Clark business. And now it's not just that they're in the Frank Clark business, but they need him. Like it's not a compliment. They need like I was thinking Frank would be to me like McCole Hardman or or you know Clyde. Yeah, you'd like him, but I mean you don't need a luxury, not teams. a necessity. You know what I'm saying? You don't need like he's he, hell on that defense. He's like Travis Kelsey. Whoa, like, whoa, okay. Let, let, I'm just no, I, no. I'm t- no. I'm talking about level of importance. No. I mean, Chris the, Jones is Travis Kelsey. I, I would say Chris Jones is Patrick Mahomes, and I would say that that I'm talking about level of importance to, to the defense. Like they need him to to be like you. You got a you got a major problem. If if Travis Kelsey isn't on this offense, you got a major problem. If Orlando Brown isn't on this offense. You got a you got a major problem right now, if because because who because who's in it? Frank is it? So here, one here's of those guys thing. you like, just named, Brandon. That's that BK. That's not a starting NFL defensive end. No, I, I'm with you. I like I think it's George Karloftis probably, and I think a big part of this is. Oh, my, hell, I thought he was already starting. Uh, Carlos Dunlap probably starting opposite. I, I would imagine in day one if he's, if he's right, and, and that's and that's why I was going to go to like. Part of the reason why Frank Clark became such a necessity is because the guy that you did sign as that veteran presence now has an Achilles issue that we just don't know what this is going to look like. I mean, it might be fine. He's back at practice, and so hopefully he ends up being A-OK. But we've seen this stuff, right? The the Achilles issues can linger, and this is something that could sustain for longer than we're all hoping that it does. 
And if that ends up being the case, now you're starting George Karloftis opposite Frank Clark. And now it ends up being Karloftis and Dana if it's Clark and Dunlap that are potentially hurt or out. And that, that's when you you get back to where it has been at times in the past where it's like, man, you just don't have a real threat on the outside. And I, I say that as somebody that likes Karloftis, but you need some juice from the outside. And Karloftis has all of the tenacity and the energy and all of that that you could ask for and the power the juice is still something that he's probably working on. And that's where Frank Clark comes in. That's what he provides for you. It got so bad last year that they tried to, they tried to trick themselves into believing that Chris Jones moving to the outside was an answer. And we all saw what that, (laughs) that, that messed the whole thing up. It's, I don't think they're above that this year either. Oh, well, they may, they may, they may, they may not have a choice. I mean, they may not have a choice. They may have to kick. You know, go inside and, and and do that. They may, but that that's why I think Frank. That's why it was is concerning to me and why it's he's so important. 